welcome to part two of my top 10 begonias. If you haven't listened to part one, stop, go back and listen, because in that initial episode, I explain the concept. I'm not going to go over it again here, other than to say that when I told my family I was doing a top 10, they could not believe that I wasn't giving them in a particular order. They insisted that there had to be a number one, a number two in terms of my absolute favourite. I am denying that, but perhaps you agree with them. <laughs> Let me know what you think. Today's begonia, though, is begonia maculata whitey the polka dot begonia. Now, this is for sure one of my favourite begonias, and I love it so much that I dedicated a whole chapter of my book, Legends of the Leaf, to this plant. So in part two, I'm going to bring you potted highlights, if you will, of that chapter of the book. If you haven't come across my houseplant book, Legends of the Leaf, find out more information at legendsoftheleafbook.com and it's available in print, ebook and audiobook form. Cracking on, Begonia maculata whiteii. Let's talk about it. Why do I love this plant? Well, I just think it's something about the combination of those beautiful svelte olive green leaves, the silvery dots that cover them and the tomato red undersides that is really rather beguiling. Where does this one come from? Well, it's uh, native to southeastern Brazil. This is a understory plant growing in forests uh, in southeastern Brazil, but it has become naturalized in some of the other South American countries, including um, Argentina. And interestingly, the type locality for this plant, type locality just means uh, the place where botanists found it when they went to describe it and found the very first specimens, was actually a mountain called Corcovado in central Rio, central Rio de Janeiro. This may not be a name that's familiar to you, but actually you will know this mountain because it's home to the large statue of Christ the Redeemer. That is one of the distinguishing features of this incredible Brazilian city. And it was first described by the Italian botanist Giuseppe Raddi in 1820. He'd done a trip to Brazil in 1817 and brought back more than 4,000 specimens. It is presumed that this was one of them. I must put to rest a rumour, an internet legend that is, as far as I have managed to establish from my research, completely incorrect. It concerns the luxury shoe designer Christian Louboutin. You'll see all over the place. In fact, I saw a piece reciting this rubbish today <laughs> that Christian Louboutin was inspired by seeing a Begonia maculata whitei to design his red-soled shoes. I went into great detail trying to find a source for this information and I have not found one. I do not think it's correct. If you can find source material that actually goes back to Louboutin himself, I would love to know. Uh, the explanation that I found was that he saw his assistant putting on a bright red nail polish. But obviously the idea that this plant is linked with a luxury designer has obviously given it a bit of an extra cachet. Now, the other thing that you might want to know about this plant is that actually the polka dot begonia is not a name that it had until fairly recently. 
It was mostly called the trout begonia or the clown begonia. And, you know, in the past, the polka dot plant, well, that would, of course, refer to the plant Hypoestes philostaca, the Madagascan foliage plant with the dark green leaves with pale baby pink splashes on it. A totally different plant. Now, this plant is part of the cane begonia group. So, put simply, this means that these stems look a bit like bamboo canes. And whitey eye is one of the cultivars of this species, uh, which is highly variable. It's sometimes referred to as a species complex because there are just so many different looks that this plant can take on. Whitey eye is a bit of a mystery, though. Sometimes you'll see it written righty eye with an R, but we don't know where it came from, who white or right was or what its origins were. Uh, there's a begonia expert called Claude Barrère, and he, in his excellent website, um, says that whitey eye could even be a hybrid rather than a cultivar or a variety of begonia. We just don't really know. The distinguishing features of whitey eye are that its leaf is narrower uh, than the species and the silver splashes don't tend to go right to the edge of the leaf. Have a look at that next time you look at a whitey eye and you will notice the difference. The other major difference is that whitey eyes flowers are pure white whereas begonia maculata the species has pink flowers and this is one of the great things about this plant you're getting a double whammy you're getting beautiful foliage and lovely flowers that unlike a lot of begonias that we grow as houseplants has really nice flowers too the variegation on begonia maculata whitei is what we call blister variegation what does that mean those spots are not caused by splashes of pigment they're actually caused by an absence of something Blister variegation indicates that there are air spaces under the upper layer of the plant, the epidermis, uh, uh, and above the chloronchyma, which are the cells that do photosynthesis. They've got the chlorophyll. This air space allows light to bounce back up, and that's why you get that silvery reflected look. Also the same variegation type as the splash in Hoyer's. Scientists don't really understand why blister variegation occurs. They think it's something to do with improving efficiency of photosynthesis, bouncing light around the leaf. But there's another theory too, which suggests that these silver splashes emulate pest damage. Why would a plant want to emulate pest damage? Well, quite simply, if the leaf looks like it's been damaged by a leaf miner, then another leaf miner, an actual leaf miner coming along to lay its eggs, would look at that leaf and think, oh, it's already damaged. I'm going to go somewhere else to lay my eggs. So that's the idea. But from our point of view as growers, we just love that silvery look. It's just very, very attractive to us. One other thing to say about this plant, when you see this plant on Instagram, quite often it looks like it has dark green leaves. And in the vast majority of cases, that's because this plant has been given a filter, which has given it that effect. Generally, begonia maculata whitei leaves are more of an olive colour than a dark green. So don't feel discouraged if your plant isn't the same colour as those ones you see on Instagram. 
I will talk more about begonia care in the final episode, part 10 of this series. But for now, it's just worth saying this is not the easiest of the cane begonias. Mostly cane begonias are very simple to grow. This one, I think, is a little bit more tricky. It's prone to leaf drop. The trouble is that often if you buy it as a small plug plant or a small size, that's when it's most vulnerable and when it's most likely to not last the course. If you can get it past that young juvenile stage and get it to a big size, it's way easier. I'll go into this in more detail, but my major suggestion for this plant would be a really quite free draining substrate and watering often. So keep the substrate ridiculously free draining and then you can add quite a lot of water without it troubling the plant. I'd also advise you to take cuttings regularly so if the parent plant does go plonk, you've got some backups. So that's Begonia maculata whitei. I'd love to know what you think about this plant, whether it's one you love or hate. If you want to find out more about it, there's a whole chapter in Legends of the Leaf, as I've said. And do go and check out the show notes for more about this and yesterday's plant, Begonia bowerii. And you can follow along with the series. Part three will be coming out tomorrow. Until then grow some brilliant begonias. Bye! The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops and Whistle by Benjamin Banger. Both tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details.